I think one of the big things is don't be afraid to ask questions, especially if you're new to the industry. It's expected. And I feel like if you don't ask questions, people are going to think you're not interested. And there's never a question that you should feel stupid asking. Being green, it gives you the power to, to ask everything and anything. Select CT. What's up, world? This is the Select CT podcast, where we talk about the digital media landscape in Connecticut and what it means for young people who want to get into the industry. I'm David DeRoche. I run the podcast program at Quinnipiac University. And this podcast is a production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Today is all about motion design and animation. I know it's a podcast, but we can still talk about these things in a podcast. Don't worry. Our guest is Stephanie Toygo. She's been a motion graphics designer for over a decade. And for many of those years, she's been working at NBC Sports. She's got a really cool Vimeo page. So if you Google her name, you can check out all the clips that she's made. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining us on Select CT. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us how you got interested in animation. I understand that you were a big Monsters, Inc. fan, and then you uh, you said, you know what, this is something I want to do. I want to draw. I want to make this stuff. I was. Um, I remember Toy Story came out first, and I thought it was just a really cool concept. Like, everything was animated by a computer. but um, And it's like a higher class than like a cartoon, you know? So um, I remember Monsters, came, Monsters, Inc. came out and I was like, I want to do this. This is um, something I need to get into and I need to know how it was done. It was just so interesting to me at the time. And so what, what, what drew you to it? What was it specifically? Was it just the, the, the style, the, the, the colors? The, like, what, what was it that really brought you into it? I, yeah, I think it was um, the colors and just the whole idea of telling a whole story without using real people and... Um, like just the lip syncing that went into it where you're matching it up with someone who's speaking and oh gosh, I forget their names now, but the, the monster that's in it, the so furry what, one. Sully? Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I remember Sully. that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, just like when you watch him move, his, his hair is just so amazing. It's, mm. I just feel like it, it was never done before and it just really uh, was interesting. You know, that's funny. I remember the hair as well. And I was like, wow, they've really got hair down. I, I remember yeah, being impressed by yeah. his fur. Yeah, it was really cool. So how did you go from, okay, this is cool to this is something I want to do to this is something I'm actually doing and getting paid for it? I know it's probably a long story, but uh, <laughs> take us back to the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I guess uh, long story short, yeah. It's... um. I, so I really wanted to do this. This is what this is what I wanted to study. I wanted to do. I loved sitting in front of a computer and just kind of designing my own stuff. And I was like, if I if I do this for fun, like this is something that I need to get into. So um, I researched schools and I found one down in Florida. Full I went to Full Sail, and um, it was a technical school. So I just remember there was a lot of pushback from my parents saying, no, you need to do four years. You need to get your bachelor's. But I, I actually made a PowerPoint presentation and I showed it to them and I was like, this is what I want to do. And, and I'm going to do it. So they oh, well let done. me go. Right. <laughs> so well um, students listening, make the PowerPoint to convince your parents. Yeah, Listen, take yeah. advice. You put a little time and effort in and they're like, okay, she's serious about this. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. So I went down there and at that time, I think now it is a four-year school, but when I was there, you just get your associates, but it was a 14-month program and it was pretty rigorous. There was no um, summer break. There was no 
any breaks, Christmas break, nothing like that. You just did your 14 months straight. It was six days a week. You had uh, four hours, I think, of lab, four hours of class, and then whatever homework was on top of it. So it's kind of setting you up for, you know, how it is in the real world. Like there are some long hours. So um, a lot of people didn't make it through. (laughs) Mm. But uh, I just remember feeling kind of burnt out after getting home. And basically we did, we used Maya. Uh, so I learned 3d and I did it in 14 months. So when I came out, I felt pretty familiar with the program. Um, and I came home just to kind of take a break and I was looking for jobs. I was always really interested in like the medical field too. Mm. So I remember there's like a little studio close to where I grew up and I went there just to kind of see what they were about. And and just taking in like that I was taking an interest and in going to see them and not, I wasn't begging for a job or anything like that. I just, I just wanted to see what they did and to know if that was something that I wanted to to do. And they allowed me to come and spend the day with them. And so I kind of grew a relationship with them just because I was interested. Um, and they, you know, they liked that I was interested. So they actually helped me. They, they met some, or they knew some people and they introduced me. So um, I ended up, uh, randomly at a outdoor life network for an internship. And it was, a um, it's a sports network that was on TV. It's no longer, but it was a sports network that was on TV. And that's kind of where I got my start. And what makes it funny is that they said, do you know, after effects? And I was like, Oh yeah, you know, we used it a couple of times in school, never touched it. So exactly. Really quickly. I did some tutorials, yep. <laughs> but I mean, that's the beauty of it, especially as an internship, like you're there to learn. So yeah. they kind of showed me the way. That's awesome. And I think, you know, you bring up a really good point that, you know, it's not just skills, but it's, it's making connections, it's networking, it's, it's meeting people and being able to, to leverage those connections to then show those skills and then, you know, mm-hmm. learn skills, be open to learning. I think that's, that's really important. So yeah. uh, you went to Outdoor Life Network, which I remember, by the way, I remember Outdoor Life Network. Um, <laughs> A lot of yeah, hunting. absolutely. Yeah, a lot of hunting. My my stepdad yeah. is a big hunter, so it was like on in the, at home like almost all the time. My dad up. as well. Yeah. Okay, so you get it. We get it. All right. So you you were there, and now you're at NBC Sports. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's pretty. That's big time. I mean, NBC has obviously covered the biggest sports events in the world. I mean, from the Olympics to the World Cup, all those pro sports here in the U.S. Uh, what's it like working at NBC Sports? It must be pretty cool. Yeah, you know it is. Uh, I'm I'm proud of where I work. Uh, I really enjoy the sports world. I've always been into sports, so it's something that interests me. I have to be honest and say I don't watch a ton of sports, but I know of them. I know how it works, um, and I think that's it. Definitely gives you the upper hand. I can't tell you how many people have come in and they don't know football or they don't know anything in the Olympics, and I think that would be a huge thing. Is like if you were going to um, apply for a job at a place like that, know what you're getting into. So like take an interest if it's for the Olympics, like know some of the, some of the sports in the Olympics or know some of the athletes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's not always as glamorous as it sounds. I mean, there are some long hours and late nights, but it's fun. You know, you're with a good group of people and it's, it's really collaborative. Um, and I have to say like, it never gets old going out with friends or family and, 
their summer with a TV and you can point and be like, I made that, like I did that. And, and the whole world is watching it. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And yeah. I, and I wonder, you know, a lot of my creative friends, uh, are not necessarily sports fans. So I, I, I imagine that, you know, coming and doing creative work in a sports environment, yeah, requires a little bit of sports knowledge. So it probably helps. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned that you working long hours and doing really cool things and, and some of the challenges. Can you just take us like through general things that you do on a day-to-day basis for your job at NBC Sports? I mean, there's definitely some ebbs and flows. Um, we have, you know, slower times and busier times and, and kind of my day changes on, on what kind of, or what time of year it is. Um, and it also depends on what sport you've kind of been assigned to. So, um, typically, so I've been working on the Olympics for the Tokyo Olympics for, let's see, probably since October, November of last year. Yeah. Tell me some stuff you've been doing. Um, so it started with, we were designing a set. So we have all of the, um, athletes come out. So my first project for this was uh, designing a stage. So all the athletes who came out, we had a shoot in California and in November. And we designed two sets um, where the athletes can be on each set. And each athlete is about seven minutes. So you have to come up with something like really expressive, really cool. So like a year, or I should say, now it's going to be more than a year because we were delayed. but. Um, it's just something that down the line, it will hold its power and, and, and all the effort that you put into it, it just, it has to remain like a strong design, if that makes sense. So like for the Olympics, we're USA. So we had a huge flag that we had created and it hung over all the athletes. It was, I think it was like a 40 or a hundred foot flag. It was, it was huge. Wow. Um, so that was my first assignment for the Olympics. And ever since, Um, I guess, but like a typical day that was like a special project, you know, you work on it really hard for a couple weeks and then you actually get to go to the shoot and and see it made, which is really awesome. Um, and you're meeting all the, uh, the, all the Olympians, which is really cool. Um, but like a typical day, yeah, typical day though, I would say I would, you know, get to work and, um, I talk with my art director for the Olympics. I just, I always do a check-in. Uh, first thing in the morning and then right before I leave. And I just, you know, give them a heads up on what my day, like what my day breakdown is going to be. Like, this is what I plan to get done for today. And, and at the end of the day, when I check in, it's like, Hey, I'm leaving, but this is, this is where I got just so he is comfortable with like what place we're in. Cause ultimately it's, it's his name on the project and I don't want to let him down and I don't want to let myself down. So I just always make sure you know, it's his, ultimately it's his direction. So I just want to make sure I am following his direction, but I also am putting my own creative spin on it. So Stephanie, um, speaking of creative input, so you, uh, this is, I want to play a sizzle reel that you put together. And this was the first one that you took lead on. Is that correct? Tell us about it. It is correct. So this is the current Notre Dame uh, football package that is on air. And um, it's the first project I, I, yeah, what you just said, I took the lead on. So uh, awesome. Interesting, yeah. So we're going to hear the the this is a real. We're not going to actually be able to see it. So what we want to do is we want to listen to it because the sounds are pretty pretty cool. And we're talking about what the process was was like to make those sounds, and then Stephanie and I will sort of discuss uh, visually what we saw while we were listening to it, if that makes sense to listeners. So let's make that happen. 
This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I love watching this. It's just like, it's so fun. Like everything is just coming at you. So for listeners, sports fans, you can probably envision what you were seeing. Because if you watch sports, you know that um, some of the graphics, how they come at you and they're just very dynamic and there's 3D and all these crazy colors. You know, you have the, the players coming in and then you have like, you know, the, the logos of the teams and then you have, uh, you know, close-ups and, and wide shots. I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's really, I, I love the fast pace. Uh, of it. And so tell me about the process of putting something like that together. What is it, how long does it take to do something like that? So, uh, this, we actually had a pretty good amount of time and budget. I think the hard part about this was, um, Notre Dame is a very conservative, conservative school and we've always been very safe with the graphics that we've done. And my idea was to bring something new and fresh. I mean, it's college, it's, it's supposed to be fun, but sports are still involved. So, um, the whole concept was, was to just kind of like something fresh, you know? So I guess the biggest issue first was getting this approved because it's, it's so different than anything that we've done before for them. Um, so starting this project, I had three different designs that typically when you start a project, we like the idea of like three totally different designs that you push and then there's obviously one that you like more. So, so that's the one you kind of persuade, you know, the art director and your creative director be like, this is the direction I want to go in. So that's kind of your strongest design. And you put a little more effort into that one. So for this, I actually sketched everything out on paper and, um, cause it's all 3d. So I actually sketched it on paper, like spinning boxes, like the whole idea of the look. And, um, that's what I presented. I love that. And in the sound, so, you know, as a sound guy, I was, I was really struck by that as well. So obviously visually it's, it's uh, super engaging, but the sounds also are super cool. And tell us how you came up with those sounds. I, I believe you worked with, um, well, just tell us how the, how the sounds came together. So I wanted, again, I wanted something fresh, something new. I feel like generically or a generic sound for any type of sports audio is like a whoosh. Right. And we, I feel like we've been using the same whoosh for every sport for 10 years. So we actually went out of house for this. And my idea was something really bassy and in your face. Mm. So the agency that we worked with, I, they asked what I was looking for. And, and that's what I said, but it's not something I can replicate. You know, I'm not going to like make drum noises. Right. So I actually looked up, um, I was trying to think of like what, like, where have I heard a sound before that I want to kind of show them as a sample? So I was thinking of action movies and I actually sent them a lot of clips from Transformers and Iron Man. So, awesome. yeah. So I feel like if you listen to it again, like if you listen to it now, then you're like, wait a second. Like that's definitely in like when, when a transformer is transforming, like that's the noise that it makes. I love that. Yeah. And, and I, I got to give a shout out to our uh, producer and engineer, Justin Matley, who has done some NBC sports sound design package. So I can imagine him smiling in the background as we're playing <laughs> that. So that's really, that's really cool. Um, tell us, um, you know, one thing I, I also am not a huge sports guy, you know, I occasionally will watch, uh, will watch sporting events. Um, but one thing that, that strikes me is sort of when you're watching and how the, the graphic images come out, like if there's an injury or something and, you know, 
the immediately somebody has to put together you know this graphic thing and and of course there are templates made in advance but it feels like these things are created organically I, i'm just so curious about the process that that is that that takes place to create graphics that are used in this way that feel like they're created spontaneously but obviously again they're templates but what is that process like how do you sort of get to that place where you're like you know what this feels right yeah so they're um it's sports, you know, a, a live event, really anything can happen. So you have to be prepared for that. Um, and that means, unfortunately, doing a lot of extra work that potentially will never make air. So um, when you think of a football team, I'm thinking football because this is what this is. Um, but when you think of a football team, there are a ton of players on the bench. There are a ton of people you've never even heard of, but we will actually almost makes we'll make we'll make a graphic for the top guys who are definitely going to play but sometimes especially like a quarterback who can get injured you're going to make a, a a graphic for each every quarterback that's on the team and a lot of the times they'll never air but in case there is an injury you need to be prepared with um a graphic and the technology that is now available is amazing. So we work with different, we work with uh, Chiron. So basically they are at every live event and they are able to do like a plug and play. So we give them a template and sometimes it's maybe a simplified template of something that we've done because we have more ability to do 3D and that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. they've actually been really good at, at being able to replicate what we do, but they are able to maybe take a background that I've given them and apply text in a photo. So if there is an injury and we are not prepared for it, they are able to on the spot during the game, make a graphic for, for a new person who comes in or the injured player. I think it's just incredible. Uh, the amount of planning that goes on behind the scenes that is seamless, right? When you're watching these things and it, it comes out and, and the slow progression over the decades of, of the quality of the, of the graphics that are being used um, is really kind of fascinating too. Like if you think of the 90s when I was more of a sports fan, the graphics were pretty cool, but watching them now they're 3D and now mm -hmm. they're just much more dynamic. It's, it's, you know, imagining the numbers of people behind the scenes like that have worked, you know, prior to this game to make it, seem seamless is pretty incredible so yeah. i want to you know for students for for uh for people for young people who want to get into this field obviously there's technical and creative abilities they need but you know what 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 other skills do you think they should have if they want to get into uh motion graphic design hmm, that's a great question um i think i'm gonna say i think one of the top things that people need to realize is art is subjective um, so you need to be able to take criticism. Um, if your design doesn't get approved, uh, you need to realize maybe it's not a bad design, but maybe it wasn't intended for that project. There's always going to be someone who's going to have a change for you. So you need to just be able to accept it and move along, uh, if that makes sense. Um, and I Absolutely. feel like you're never going to stop learning the industry and what I said, technology is always changing. There's always something new. So you're constantly learning and you need to realize that like you can't kind of be arrogant, you know, like I know everything because you don't because there's going to be a new plugin that uh, changes or the way that you do things. So it's just, uh, I think you need to, to realize like there's, this industry is always changing. Um, and I always say like, be a collector so 
when you're doing designs, like you need to, if you see something cool, save it. So you remember it. Um, I can't tell you how many of my designs have come from other people or other designers, or if you're watching a movie, just like looking at the colors or the textures that can inspire you for, for something else. So, um, I think one of the most important things I can say is be a collector, like always be finding inspiration, whether that's from music or podcasts or, um, you asked me what my, my daily life was as a designer. And I have to say one of the first things I do is in the morning is like, I have different emails from different places like, uh, dribble or, um, pro max, something like that, where I get a daily email and just kind of reading that inspires you. And it shows you what other people are working on and what other people are doing. And it kind of just keeps you in the industry. And I really like the idea that, um, you know, just because a design doesn't work, doesn't mean it's, it's, you know, completely garbage, right? It could be better suited for something else down the line. Totally. Right. And I, I really like the idea that also that, you know, um, be confident, but also, you know, recognize where your weaknesses are, you know, don't be afraid to, to, uh, to humble yourself and to say, you know what, I'm not really so great at this thing. Maybe I need to learn it, or maybe I need to get somebody else to help me. Yeah, with that. yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And so when you're designing something though, like I wonder, because as a, as a creative person, usually you're designing sort of from your own creative inspiration, but you also have to think of like how other people might interpret your design. Okay. So I'm wondering, how do you, how do you step back and say, okay, this, this thing like makes sense to me, but it, or, you know, would other people see it differently? How do you sort of navigate that process? So I think the most important thing is like, if you have an idea, get it down, whether it's a sketch or, you know, doing it in Photoshop really quickly, just kind of mocking it up. So, you know, the direction you want to take. And I think it's so important, um, to have others look at it. So where we are, it's a, it's a very collaborative, a very team driven environment. So I have no issues if I have a design being like the guy who sits next to me, like, Hey, can you come take a look at this? Like, I just need another set of eyes on this. Like, how do you see it? How would my grandmother perceive it if she saw it on TV? So it's just something, um, it's just nice to get other opinions, whether they're in the industry or not, like everyone's going to have an opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So we are about out of time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to give some advice for students who would be curious to get into the work that you do. Are there resources out there that they could check out or do you have any general advice for them? I think, uh, let's see, especially like right now in, you know, quarantine, there are so many conferences that you guys can join. Um, if you just do like a little Googling, they're like free seminars and, and that kind of thing. I can't tell you how many I've done since I've been home. It's just so easy to log on and, and watch someone talk about design. Um, and it's inspiring. Someone else is doing it. And, and especially in these times, like you need a little motivation from other people. Um, and I, I think one of the big things is don't be afraid to ask questions, especially if you're new to the industry. It's expected. And I feel like if you don't ask questions, people are going to think you're not interested. Um, and there's never a question that you should feel stupid asking. And I feel like I wish I, I knew this as a younger person getting into the industry, but you know, I feel like now if I were to ask a question, be like, people would be like, you've been in the industry for so long. Um, you should know that, but being green, like it gives you the power to, to ask everything and anything. Um, and I think another one be don't procrastinate if you're stuck I guess I just like, just start somewhere, just like start drawing, start sketching and 
and something's always going to come out of it. You might take a break and come back to it, but just start, like stop procrastinating. Great advice, you know, and and I just want to reiterate the power of questions. Absolutely, uh, don't be afraid. And you know, as uh, as a teacher myself, I often tell students, please don't think you're you're asking a stupid question. It's stupid to not ask the question. If you if you don't ask the question, then you're not going to learn, and that's stupid. But ask the question. Just just be be curious and express your curiosity. Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Stephanie Toygo, she is a motion graphics designer at NBC Sports. We really appreciate your time here on the Select CT podcast. Thanks for having me. On the next episode of Select CT, we're going to be talking about creative technologists in digital media with Sebastian Odo, Senior Vice President of Innovation at Octagon. Please join us. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. Our marketing coordinator is Marvin Lewis. I'm David DeRoche. Thanks for listening. Select CT.